And I think that's so much what entrepreneurship is about. It's about seeing something that um, isn't really working that well and, and finding a way to do it better. Hi, welcome to the Building a Better Future podcast. Stories from climate tech founders. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Building a Better Future, stories from climate tech founders. This is our last episode, um, and over the last eight weeks, we have spoken to eight different founders who are all still in those exciting but still very challenging early years of their startup life. Uh, we've been exploring with them where their love for sustainability began. We've been um, going through their journey with them on how they founded their company and discussing all of the challenges that they faced in those first few years as a founder. My name is Cherry. I am the owner of Above and Beyond Recruitment. Our business partners with climate tech startups, and we help them to develop their employer brand and then grow and scale out their product and engineering teams. And if this is your first time listening to us, then please go and check out the rest of the series. All of the video recordings are on my LinkedIn page, um, and there is also an Above and Beyond YouTube page, the link to which we'll share in the comments so you can go and watch all of those. And we've also got a podcast version available, which is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Acast, so go and search for us on there. Today, we are joined by our ninth and final guest, Rebecca Thompson, founder of Ecozy Travel a sustainable travel booking website. Their aim is to provide environmentally conscious travellers with a seamless and easy way to book low carbon travel. Rebecca herself has a background in economics, policy and international development and has spent the early part of her career working in policy whilst originally launching Ecozy Travel back in 2018 and then about a year ago moving back to sort of full-time focus on, on the business. So I'm really excited to welcome Rebecca onto the show. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for coming. Um, so I always kick off um, on all of these by going back to the beginning um, and kind of exploring those earlier years of your life and seeing where that kind of inspiration, I suppose, came from. Either to want to start your own business, that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, or that yeah. kind of passion for sustainability um, and and kind of, you know, fighting climate change in some way. Can you kind of pinpoint where the inspiration for, for one either or maybe even both of those things you think came from? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of sustainability, I suppose, to start with, um, I kind of grew up in a household where it was always kind of as standard that um, you had to care about this stuff in a way. My mum was very passionate about sustainability herself already. It was sort of something where it was sort of like, don't have big baths, always turn the lights off. It was kind of at the forefront that it was, um, it's just something you had to do. Uh, you had to yeah. sort of, um, yeah, be mindful of these things and, you know, do your bit. Um, so it just kind of got drilled into me a little bit. I think um, some of that stuff then just becomes natural. You just kind of expect that you've got to do something um, and that yeah. just kind of um, grew. Um, I think it was always there. Mm. I always wanted sort of in my career to do something that had a social impact. Um, I think I was sort of exploring for a while exactly what that would look like. Um, and yeah, I think kind of the, the focus and the interest 
specifically on um, environmental issues. Um, yeah, just really grew over time as I got more involved in different kind of bits of even like volunteering, read more about it and learn about some really like interesting areas of um, conservation. And my interest in sustainability is quite broad. Um, and so, mm. yeah, I think, uh, and then on the business side, it, it's much more um, related to the fact that I think I'm someone who's always uh, just kind of had ideas for things, um, wanted to um, think of ways to do things a bit differently or um, change, um, or find solutions really. And I think that's so much what entrepreneurship is about. It's about seeing something that um, isn't really working that well and, and finding a way to do it better um, and a way to make it easier for people um, to, to do things better where, you know, people don't always have the time to um, put all their attention to this stuff. And it's kind of, there's, there really needs to be a responsibility on businesses um, to make it easier for consumers to, to do the right thing where, where they can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's really interesting then. So that kind of mindset was shaped in you from a young age by having very conscious parents that kind of, that you you just naturally saw life through that lens of how can we live more sustainably? What good choices can I make? Um, yeah, that's really cool. And um, do you think that kind of shaped the, the decision around what you studied at university? Do you think that kind of came came from there and, and, and from that kind of way you viewed the world? Yeah, I think <clears throat> when... I was looking at what to do at university. I think there was an element where I was also slightly steered towards just a kind of safe, stable job. Um, and the, right. there was an element there of just kind of finding a job that you could do for a long time and you'd kind of be financially secure. You wouldn't have to worry about that and you'd do something that um, would kind of set you up uh, to not have to worry about your job, that, that kind of thing. And I think that probably came from a, a parents' classic sort of wanting to make sure their kids are going to be doing okay. Um, so I think, yeah, yeah, as wanting to, you know, really feel financially independent as well, sort of that's why I think I kind of went towards economics. I think the idea like, yeah. initially when I chose the course was even just to do banking. So I definitely wow. kind of over the course of learning more about what it really means and how economics and sort of social sciences is really about sort of um, or should very much be about kind of history and how society works and how we all kind of fit together and how it shapes us. And I just found it so interesting and wanted to really explore that more and it kind of made me realise I didn't really want to do banking at all. That isn't something that I would have been interested in or kind of found much purpose in. Um, and so mm -hmm. it was then that I, I kind of got more of a sense of wanting to find a career that gave me a bit more purpose. And starting in mm -hmm. the policy space, really looking at how you can hopefully have a have a bit of a positive impact there, kind of, shaping and influencing policy um yeah but yeah just i think it's kind of been a, a journey to find the um role where 
I kind of can have the the biggest um, impact and feel kind of quite connected to the impact I'm having. Yeah, and and you were started kind of getting your exposure into the working world and policy. While it, it, was it between your bachelor's and your masters, or was it once you went into your masters? Talk, talk me through that kind of journey and where your kind of first foray into into work came. So I actually did a sandwich degree. So I had a placement year as my third year, and that was already with um, the government in, as a kind of government economist. And so that, I think, gave me a bit of an insight into that. And then that kind of slightly set me up for uh, the job straight after my bachelor's degree. And so I was um, there in government mm. economic service, as it's called, uh, for about four years. And then I left to do the master's degree. Amazing. And what, I mean, that must have been a really difficult placement to get, first of all. I'd imagine there was a lot of competition for that. What was the kind of process of going forward for a placement like that like? So if I can remember, it was a while ago now. Um, I think um, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was your kind of um, uh, definitely classic application form um interview process i think it it wasn't set up as the full kind of assessment center but it was for the follow-on job you had to do full kind of assessment center um and different um tests to get to the assessment center um so that was more of a graduate scheme um set up but for the placement it was i think you had to do um a couple of numerical tests maybe a non-verbal reasoning test the application form um and then an interview cool and and talk me through what you learned in in those years then what what kind of what did you manage to get exposure to in that time and, and what were you getting involved in yeah so as an economist in government you're sort of part of the like analytics um sort of streams so it covers a few different things um, so there was a lot of essentially building out the evidence base um, to inform policy decisions. So you're doing lots of um, analytics um, and research projects to understand um, kind of trends in. So I was working in the Department for Work and Pension. So it was looking at trends in the employment figures. And the, fir the first job was very much kind of reporting on um, the sort of economic changes in the labour market. So how employment was changing, unemployment, um, what's called inactivity. Uh, but yeah, as just a kind of category. Um, yeah, looking at that, but then bigger research projects looking at things like um, kind of long term trends in um, kind of women's employment, uh, different things like that, long-term unemployment, how um, different factors influence that. And essentially, given the factors that do influence that, how can policy be designed in a better way to support people? Um, okay. And then kind of through those four years, I also had a bit of a stint working in um, what's called private office, which is essentially... Um, the different offices that support the um, ministers of the department and also the private secretary, who's your equivalent of a CEO of a government department, who's kind of um, that sort of ongoing 
uh, civil servant who's heading up the department. And so I worked directly for him for about a bit over a year. Yeah. And how do you think those kind of early experiences and especially I imagine all of that exposure to data analytics and trends and pulling insights from those. How, how much do you think that's kind of influenced the way you run your business today or has it? Yeah, I think it absolutely has. So because of how you kind of work with that, that sort of stuff, I I um, already in my career was doing essentially bits and pieces of coding, but specifically for analytics okay. rather than for web development. Um, so I think that has given me a much better understanding of how to do that even though now I, I don't do it myself but you know I kind of get involved and um, as much as possible and in the very early stages was looking at um, doing I'd kind of done bits and pieces of the web development um, as well for the platform so hugely important even though I think you kind of look at the the kind of career journey and it feels a bit um, sort of what what I've now heard is called like a squiggly career. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, all of it, I think, has been really valuable to give me the skills that I'm now using to run a business. So um, how to understand even trends in the market um, and how we should be positioning ourselves, um, the work to kind of do the research around um, putting together our investor deck all this sort of stuff it comes from those um original skills that i developed definitely and leadership skills all that kind of stuff all kind of comes through in those previous roles yeah like you said with that squiggly career sometimes it can feel like you're not on a linear trajectory towards something but every single experience every single place you work you pull something don't you and and all of that kind of knits together to, to kind of help you create what you create later on amazing and so four years you were at DWP before you moved on. Um, talk me through that next part of the journey. Why did you choose to move on from there? Where did you go? And 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 amongst all of this happening, you'd had the idea for Ecozy and started working on it, hadn't you? So, yeah, where does that thread in? Yeah, so I had the idea for Ecozy when I was doing my master's. And I suppose there was an element of... Um, kind of knowing I wanted to leave the civil service, but not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Um, mm. Kind of having lots of different ideas, but not having that um, real strong sense of direction of exactly what it was, where I needed to go next. And so I think for me, the masters was a good way to be doing something that felt really positive and exciting while I was also working that out um, and it was while I was kind of meeting loads of brilliant people on the master's course I think you know I was studying at SOAS at School of Oriental African Studies and it's like a really brilliant university in terms of the people that it attracts um, they're all really there I think trying to do something positive in the world really like exposed to lots of these um social issues um and you know just sparking such interesting debate about how to tackle them um and as someone who's always absolutely loved traveling i think 
that and there was a bit of momentum around it at the time as well that's when I really started to um get involved in that discussion around how we travel and the environmental impact of traveling because it was one area I think for myself that I was sort of slightly overlooking and I think maybe because holidays are something that people are trying to you know trying to just like forget all of the stressful things and just let go of it and just enjoy themselves which is the right thing to be doing on holiday um it's sometimes I think an area where we sort of let go a bit of uh that feeling of needing to um be doing that right thing for for the environment um and I think the tourism industry isn't changing fast enough so there's that's mm. when I really saw like okay personally I need to do something here you know originally just myself to travel differently and look at how we can do it reducing flying um finding better ways that kind of lower my own footprint and when I did that I just saw that there was nothing out there that was just a really easy to use booking platform where you just do your classic book your accommodation book your travel and you're gonna very easily turn up on the first day of your holiday get on your transport get to your destination and have a really good time you know everything's sorted so yeah I was I was honestly quite surprised it didn't exist um and it yeah. just felt like real gap in the market mm. yeah no you're totally right it, it, I mean yeah I I know from my own personal experience but it just doesn't exist does it um yeah. and um yeah I like that blend there of you know being that combination of being surrounded by some really inspirational people that kind of give you that you know just being around them gives you that drive and impetus to think I feel fired up and I feel like I want to go and do something yeah, combined exactly. with your own personal guilt about, well, I love traveling, but I'm not able to do it. I'm not doing it as sustainably as I should. And actually when I try to, nothing exists to help me. So those kind of three factors coming together. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where, where the idea sparked. And, um, and you said, how much did you kind of do on the idea once you'd originally had it um, before you then kind of went back to work and then came back to it at a later date? Yeah, so the original um, kind of start of the of the business was <coughs> really quite um, sort of. It, it, I'd say it was based on the skills I had at the time, right. what I thought was the right approach, and it was really just a case of kind of trying to grow a bit of an audience around the concept um, and start a blog. Um, so started making connections with um, green businesses in the sector. So kind of linking up with them to kind of do a blog on their property, that kind of thing. Um, but it was very much just kind of a blog and, and trying to promote that and um, use it as a way to show how other people could be traveling sustainably as well. Um, but that re really wasn't what I wanted to deliver, um, what I wanted the business to look like. But I think at the time, I didn't like have the network of people around me to really know how to turn it into this, you know, tech company, essentially, because that's not my background at all. 
Um, and I was just there sort of with the ambition and the sustainability background to be like, I want to make this easy for people. I want to support people to do this. We can really kind of create a community around it. But without that sort of tech background to know how to build the actual bookings platform. Yeah. Um, and so it was only after um, my next job where I was kind of thought I'd also found something that, you know, it was in the climate space. It was, um, you know, a, a sort of good job. Sort of, I was um, in the management team of a quite fairly, it's just quite a small company, but working in renewable energy and organics recycling and, and kind of leading the policy team there to really kind of push for um, more supportive environment, essentially. And it was a great company to work for, really brilliant people. But there's still that feeling like, I wanted to do something differently or really having that drive to want to do my own thing, I think. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, kind of mid COVID, I just quit my job um, and just, yeah, went for it. Um, and I'd met um, my now CTO. Uh, so he has previous um, experience in um, fintech startups as a CTO of another fintech startup and really just knows how to do the product development piece and the web development piece and could take what I, my idea and what I wanted to create and say, okay, like this is practically how we can make that happen. So yeah, it's been brilliant. And I think it's so important to um, have those people around you with the complementary skills to be able to really take something um, off the ground and make it happen. Yeah. And how did you meet your co-founder? So uh, in my flat chair, it just happened to um, be one of my oh. classmates. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah oh, just, amazing. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so um, one of, yeah. One of, yeah. Go on, sorry, I think I've got a lag. Well, yeah, there's lots of um, stuff out there, obviously, where you can kind of say, I've got this idea, uh, let's find a co-founder and lots of platforms to support that but yeah it was really organic just happened to me in real life and um kind of be able to bounce ideas off each other with this stuff so it's really good yeah that's so good um yeah I yeah you're right there are lots of forums out there to go and meet a co-founder but when you find someone organically and it just kind of forms mm. like that that's absolutely brilliant and how long after meeting him did it kind of become apparent that you could work together in that way do you think yeah, so initially, I think there was an element of he kind of inspired me to know how I could do it. And initially, I was even looking at kind of developing my own um, web development skills, essentially. And I kind of did a bit of a course in, in one of these um, no code development platforms, which is the hosting service that we used um, for the development of our MVP. Um, so the kind of beta version of our product. And so I did a bit of a course in that, I've played around in it. And I think um, in terms of the speed of wanting to build the platform, it just worked that actually I kind of got him involved to um, do some of that web development. 
um, because he had the experience and the skills. So at first I was, we were working together with him as a freelancer. And then mm -hmm. I also knew like as a um, kind of sole founder that I wanted um, a co-founding team. I think it makes a lot of sense. It kind of rounds out the skill set for the business and it just allows you to do so much more, have the like hands-on resource to um, kind of build what you're, what you're creating. And um, yeah, essentially, I think taking on too much of it yourself makes it so much more stressful than it needs to be when there's so many like, brilliant people out there that will kind of align to um, what you're trying to create and you can share that journey with. So um, yeah, it started out as a kind of um, freelance relationship um, because he really knew how to do it and then um, it just worked really well. So he kind of came on board as a co-founder in September, but had already built most of the, <laughs> most of the platform brilliant okay that's great and that sort of gave you an opportunity I suppose to kind of test what it was actually like working together before kind of committing yeah. to more of a formal co-founding you know relationship fantastic and um so you quit your job mid-covid then to to do this full-time um it was just yourself and your you know current now co-founder on a freelance basis what what did those first few months look like? What were the challenge, you know, what were you focused on initially? Was it all focused on building out this beta web platform? And what were the main challenges that you kind of faced throughout those first few months? Yeah, so it was that yeah, the focus was absolutely absolutely on building out the um the platform and essentially creating a prototype that we'd be able to discuss with um potential partners. Um who were kind of your green accommodation providers, um, also on the transport side. So I think in the first months, a huge amount of what you're doing is discovery, working out actually how to go about what you're wanting to do. Because especially for me, and I mean, Tim as well, doesn't come from the travel sector. Um, it's learning what exists already, what, kind of technology solutions that already are that will fit together to um, make it happen so, and and how they kind of practically work how it makes sense to fit everything together and also what's the best approach in the early days when you're going to have a clunkier solution to kind of be able to um, create something interesting for people to still play around with um, so, yeah, there was a lot of um, kind of research, essentially, and talking to lots of different people, getting like, getting their thoughts on what we were doing. Um, and I mean, I I kind of started working like pretty much full time a year ago. Um, and that was um, because I was kind of lucky enough to um, be awarded a grant from Innovate UK. So that was the Young Innovators Award. And that just meant that I could kind of dedicate the time to it, um, kind of essentially be paid for a little bit for working out how to make it happen, um, which was brilliant and, and just really gave that freedom to have um, a bit of funding in the background to support that journey. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And um, at, during that those initial discovery phases were any of the discoveries that you made kind of 
did, did any of those mean that you needed to pivot what you thought you could deliver or what you had been intending to deliver? I think um, I probably was a bit overambitious in terms of how long it would take to create the sort of fully integrated bookings platform where you can book uh, directly within the site. And I think I was aiming to do that within a year, which for this kind of product takes a long time to do. So um, what we've built with our MVP is um, essentially a trip planning tool. So anyone's able to go on there at the moment, look through our listing of um, all green accommodations, see what they like, pick something, um, look at the different route options to get there, um, which kind of at the moment are still hand curated, um, and then add it all into an itinerary. And then um, they still right now book with um, click-through links to the partner websites. But interestingly, in that kind of discovery phase as well, you see in the travel sector, in lots of cases that can be quite standard. Even booking.com that kind of has recently added flights into um, their platform. When you do a search and you do pull up, you know, um, kind of live availability, they still have a click-through link where you go to the actual provider's website to book that. Um, so it's sort of what we could do as the interim solution while we um, build out those uh, connections to, um, yeah, the live availability and the um, booking systems. Cool. So where are you today? It's yourself, Tim, and have you brought anyone else on? Yeah, so we have hired our first employee, which is really exciting. Um, and that's uh, Hamish, our data scientist. And he's leading the work at the moment, um, developing our journey planning functionality. So where at the moment we've kind of got different routes, um, suggestions attached to each accommodation, this will be that um, you'll have, you know, the sort of, tech solution uh, routing um, functionality where someone just types in start address, end address, um, round trips, everything like that to work out the best journey. And what that will actually be doing in the background, we'll have our algorithm essentially finding the routes that minimize um, our users emissions. And so they'll also have emissions transparency attached to each of the routes. So they'll not only be able to compare across price and journey time, but also the actual climate impact of their trip. Amazing. So they can really understand the trade-offs they're making around convenience versus emissions yeah, exactly. and be able to find that sweet spot for them. Yeah, exactly. And Amazing. I think that's Yeah, letting putting the yeah. information in people's hands so they can make the decisions. Yeah. Yeah, because that's that. Yeah, that's what had been missing, I suppose, wasn't it? Is where do you even get that information? So yeah, that's brilliant. And so there's the three of you now, then, um, and the beta app is out there. Um, what does this next year look like? What does 2023 look like for you guys? And what what plans and ambitions do you have? Yeah. So um, in January, we're um, being joined by our sort of third co-founder, who's um, coming on board from the ecotourism industry and is going to be leading more on the kind of marketing side of things um, because cool. you know, <coughs> from January we're going to um, 
you know, be shouting about this a bit more. We'll hopefully have the first version of our um, journey planning functionality built into the platform. So um, smoother, um, smoother process for our users, which is brilliant. And yeah, really um, lots around kind of community building and um, getting people involved in the discussion around green travel. And then um, on the development side, out until April, we do have this um, second Innovate UK grant, which is supporting the journey planning functionality. Um, but we're also looking um, in the next year to develop out the um, low carbon um, accommodation booking system, which will essentially build in the real time availability of all of our accommodations, um, as well as the per state emissions for all of them. So again, people will be able to do that comparison and book everything uh, all together in one place um, on the Ecozy website. So that's the kind of trajectory um, of development, but um, big, uh, big piece of work at the moment as well is um, doing our first investment round, which is really exciting. Um, and obviously <laughs> very important for those other steps. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and how uh, have you had, I suppose you've been going through the grant funding, but the kind of investment raising VC world, is that completely new for you? It is for me. It's not for um, my co So for Tim, he's kind of done a bit of this before, which is very helpful, obviously. Um, and for this first round, we're just doing a kind of smaller pre-seed round. Um, so, looking just at kind of angel investors right now. Um, I think obviously I thought we're all kind of aware that it's a challenging economic environment, but, um, you know, really excited about this and about um, what we're building. So, yeah, it's a very exciting time. Fantastic. And yeah, it, it, it is a challenging market. But I think, you know, anecdotally that what I've been hearing from people is that actually for earlier stage startups, it, it's not quite so challenging. Um, and especially those that are in a space like like the one that you're in. Yeah. Um, where there is a lot of consumer demand for it. Um, hopefully you'll be in a strong position. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like a really exciting year ahead then. So bedding your data scientists in so that they can start working on that kind of journey planning and the emissions data behind the journey that they can share with people that kind of transparent emissions data, um, having the new co-founder come on board and starting a real big marketing drive and then building out the accommodation booking part of the platform as well. That sounds like an amazing year. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course the funding raise. Oh, so if anyone's watching this then that is involved in the investment space, um, in touch with Rebecca. Doing three quick fire questions with people. Um, so the first one is, what would be your top piece of advice for someone that was thinking about setting up their own business? So for me, it's absolutely about the people you do it with. So um, I think when you have an idea, there's definitely um, a kind of discovery phase that I do think you kind of want to do on your own to like understand really what it is that you want to create and find that passion for it as well, because you have to absolutely love what you're doing to put in the work that it takes um yeah. but having those right people around you finding people that you work really well with you get on with and have fun with um and kind of build out the skill set that you need um yeah it's really critical i think amazing and um second question which business or sustainability role model do you wish that you could have just one hour with 
So for me, it's a business and sustainability role model. So I'd say Yvonne Chunard from, uh, well, who founded Patagonia. I think how he's sort of, well, how he started the business is really brilliant, sort of from that sort of place of passion for something. And then over the years and that journey to kind of look at the impact the business has on the environment, um, really understand their own supply chain and kind of constantly be scrutinizing themselves and the impact they're having. Um, I think all businesses should be doing that. Um, all of us can kind of look at how we have that impact and particularly um, in our kind of business life, um, the impact that we're having. I think it's so important and now as well that they've kind of made the planet their kind of whole shareholder. So um, yeah, brilliant. I'd, that would be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, he really has been such a pioneer for how you can run a business consciously. Um, yeah, and a great role model. Um, perfect. And what is one quick lifestyle change that you would recommend to listeners to help them live more sustainably? I'm just going to uh, be very biased here <laughs> and say, um, <laughs> look at your travel. I mean, it's obviously something we, so many of us, love love traveling love like that cultural exchange and I don't think it's something that we should ever have to stop doing but there's different ways that we can do it and I think really kind of adventurous and exciting ways that we can travel a bit differently and um, yeah improve our, our impact so looking at if some of the trips that you're doing in the next year you could take um, by coach or ferry or train instead of flying and, you know, where I think lots of us, particularly millennials, are very frequent flyers, um, you know, even just swapping one or two of those trips or one of those trips. And um, for the more diehard uh, environmentalists, maybe, you know, stopping flying for a bit while the aviation industry sorts itself out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like that. And yeah, you can use um, the Ecosy Travel website to plan those journeys now, I guess. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you get a little plug for you. Perfect. Um, and whilst we were chatting, we did actually have one question come in from one of the listeners. So I'm just going to go back to that before we finish off, if you don't mind. But um, somebody wanted to know about how in instrumental Innovate UK was for helping you get started and grow and about what support they have offered you outside of the grant itself. Did you get any kind of additional support in, in helping to, to grow the business? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, with the Young Innovators Award, I mean, it's a very small grant actually in terms of funding. And the big kind of selling point there is that additional support. So I had a weekly business mentor who was also putting me in touch with a whole network of um, support. There were webinars and kind of meetings as well with that whole like cohort of other entrepreneurs that were kind of in the same boat so I think yeah that was absolutely brilliant and with this idea as well I think um because it is a very complicated um thing to do I would say it's more challenging than um I'd probably initially thought I don't think without that funding and that sort of added security uh for definitely a 
risky thing to be doing um that i would have been able to kind of go ahead and start the business so yeah innovate uk has been um brilliant and uh, yeah having access to that kind of funding is is great amazing thank you so much for sharing that it's really helpful uh, well thank you so much rebecca for coming in and sharing your journey with us i've really appreciated it. it sounds like first of all the idea that you've had is amazing just on a personal level it's something i would absolutely use um so thank you for bringing it to life um and then thank you for sharing that journey with us um and yeah sounds like you've got a really exciting 2023 ahead so wish you all the best of luck thank you so much it's been great to be part of this series thank you thanks bye bye thank you for listening Please follow the show to be noted of all future episodes. We've also saved videos of all of our interviews over on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel. Check out the show notes to find the links to this and links to all of the resources mentioned on today's show.